a podcast from the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. Welcome back to The Grind, a church planning podcast featuring practical tips, missional strategies, and personal stories to bring you insights and encouragement. Coming to you fresh from Little Rock, here's your hosts, Dave McClung and Neil Scoggins. Welcome back to The Grind, ladies and gentlemen. If you're not ladies and gentlemen, then welcome back then anyway. Welcome back. There you and go. So with with the, our yeah. audience, you never know what Dudes you're going to get. Dudes and dudettes. <laughs> Cats and kitties. Yep. Bros and broettes. Broettes. <laughs> that's something that goes in your hair, isn't it? Th- a broette. Yes, a broette. Yeah. yeah, I think that's exactly what to call that's, them. And, uh, that's the technical term spe- for it. Spell that. Uh, yes. <laughs> no idea. That's, uh, oh goodness! Yeah, yeah. So we are back. Uh, Neil is is just fitting into his role so nicely. Yeah. As Hold on, the let class me, of the podcast. Let, let me go put this broom down. I'll be right back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is uh, fourth fourth episode uh, with you now. Uh, okay. Yeah, fourth one probably. So, so it yeah, is. It, it is. is. Yeah. Wow, and I'm still here. He's still here. Wow. So, uh, uh, you know, the as I tell everybody with me all the time, my potential for stupidity and screwing up is quite high. Uh, <laughs> Neil's is too. That's so, right. Uh, so I'm right there ahead of right. you. We'll I'm see. just going to be We'll honest. see. We'll see. <laughs> That's why I'm in church planting. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's, That's right. right. We swing for the fence <laughs> regardless. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had to do yeah. Man, it's, so it's Monday morning, and yeah. uh, we both preached yesterday and did yeah. a million other things. And so oh, we're my little, God. Yeah. A little goofy this it was, morning. It was, yeah. So, anyway, but it was a good day. It was. Happy yeah. Mother's Day yeah. you know, for everybody. Yeah. So. Well, which it's, it was a while ago now. It, it was. Yeah. By, by the, the time, time we're recording this after Mother's Day, you'll hear it in about a month. <laughs> It'll be Father's Day. <laughs> It'll be Father's Day when this rolls around. <laughs> so, uh, anyway. All right. Well, we're excited to, to have our buddy Kevin Gibbs on the line with us with Discovery Church in Seattle, Washington. Yeah. What's up, Kevin? Yeah. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I'm about out of time after your intro. <laughs> yeah, Kevin fashions himself as a funny man, and so. Uh, well, if there's one thing that we know will happen, there's no way I can keep up with you guys. So it's just, it's, it's just to be. Yeah, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. Well, I tell you, I got to know Kevin uh, last year, uh, year be- well, year before last, I guess, when you first came to, to Little Rock. So yeah. Kevin, by way of Texas, came to do the church planning residency at Summit, uh, where we're, where in I'm Little a Rock. member in Little, in Little Rock. Rock. Yeah, because there's and, another uh, summit that has There it. is, yeah. yes. Not to be confused with J.D. Greer's summit. There you go. And, uh, uh, but, uh, but anyway, uh, did the residency there. And was a stop on the way to Seattle, and so has been in Seattle now for uh, almost a year. And uh, so, uh, man, we're excited to have you on and kind of get an update on what's going on and and hear your kind of first year experience in Ascend City and and all that good stuff. So, kind of kind of talk about your church planning journey and and how you ended up in Seattle by way of Summit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, it's funny when people ask about that up here, the first thing that I always tell them is we feel like Seattle chose us. Uh, And by that, meaning that the Lord had a plan for us and all of that. But it's just, it really is a crazy God story of what he wanted and how he wanted it more than we did. Yeah. If if you had asked me six years ago about church planting and about the Northwest and about Seattle, 
that stuff just wasn't on my radar. I mean, I knew church planting was great, but I didn't know anything about it. Um, I knew Seattle was a global city and influencer, but didn't know anything about Seattle. And so five years ago, God just wanted to kick off that story in our lives. And I was uh, an intern with the Young Adult Ministry at Fielder Church in Arlington, Texas, um, with Josh Ellis, actually, Bill Ellis' son, who's leading his son. Yeah. Um, and I was interning with a college group, and a, an opportunity came across my desk, and the North American Mission Board had just ramped up their Gen Send initiative. And so it was their opportunity to send out college teams to underreached or underchurched parts of North America and just spend a summer there and see what God wanted to do there, working with church plants just all across North America. And so Gilder Church already had a partnership in Seattle with a couple of churches, and that opportunity came across my desk, and I was working with college students. And so, you know, the stars aligned, and it was just easy to get a college team together to go spend the summer in Seattle. So we, Rebecca and I were newlyweds at the time. We've been married seven months. I was an intern. That was our first mission trip that we'd ever led, and it was a, you know, seven, eight-week trip with 40 college students that we ended up leading, and we were living in the basement of a frat house the entire summer. So <laughs> wow. We didn't even know which way was up. Yeah. We had no idea. We were winging the whole thing, but, but God was with us. So we, we worked with um, six different church plants just across the whole Seattle metro area from north to south. And, and we're just seeing what it looks like to do ministry um, in an underreached context mm-hmm. and in an environment where there's just so much spiritual oppression and spiritual darkness and the need for the gospel to penetrate in ways that it really never has in the history of Seattle. Um, And Rebecca and I were looking at each other over the course of the summer and just saying, is God doing anything in you? Is he doing anything in you? (laughs) And kind of just hashing that out the whole summer and realizing we were really being impacted by that. So um, fast forward to the end of the summer and we're, I'm sitting in a coffee shop downtown with a spiritual mentor and he's just helping me debrief the whole summer and just that we were drinking from a fire hydrant. So he's just helping me debrief everything. And he says, Kevin, set aside all the doubts, set aside the fears, like what it means for your newlywed family. Just, just set that aside for a second. Where do you feel called to do ministry? And I just lost it in that Mm -hmm. moment. And I, I can only call it like an impression from the spirit, not just something that, oh, this would be cool to do ministry here, yeah. but a profound impression from the spirit. And I, I just felt so stupid crying in front of the guy in the coffee <laughs> shop. But I, I, you know, God impacted me and impressed on me in that moment. This is where you're supposed to do ministry. To, to be on one of the leading edges of lostness, um, there was a lot of similarities between Seattle and Austin, Texas, where I was born and raised. Hmm. And so there was just a lot of stuff that came together in that moment, and I was really impacted by that. So I left that meeting knowing that we were supposed to go to Seattle, and I leave that, and I'm headed back to my wife at the University of Washington, or headed back to her at UW, and I'm on a bus, and I just have this knot in my stomach of, Oh no, how do I tell my wife of seven months that we're moving and I'm rooting our lives to, to do this thing? And so I've just got a whole 30 minute bus ride to, to worry about this thing. And, and I go back to that frat house at the University of Washington and, and walk in and I say, honey, I have to tell you something. And she goes, oh, I have to tell you something too. And God had communicated the same calling at the same time while we were in two different places. Oh, and wow. So she, 
Yeah, and so she had been reading the Word. She'd been reading Acts and a lot of Paul's ministry. And then I think she had seen some videos online from the North American Mission Board's website and just about planters who had uprooted their lives from a successful ministry to go to under-reached context. And, and God just brought a lot together in one moment for her, too. And so she communicated the same calling at the same time. And so from there, we just knew that Seattle was on our radar. We didn't we didn't know how, we didn't know when, we didn't know our pathway or timeline to actually make that happen, but God had called that was secure. So yeah. we prayed about that for two or three years, and we're really serious about that, but didn't have clear next steps on what we were supposed to do. And so um, finally I had this one moment of the Lord speaking, the Spirit speaking through my wife to me. Has that ever happened to you guys? Uh, but, yes. Uh, yes, daily, but, yeah. You're right. right. She just said, Kevin, what are we going to do about this? Like, are we ever going to do anything about this? And I went, oh, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) But we haven't done anything. We haven't tried. We haven't reached out. We haven't taken initiative on anything. So um, when she said that, I was very convicted, and and we took a weekend of prayer and fasting together. Um, And I'm not exaggerating when I say 10 minutes after we broke the fast. Bill Ellis, who's the lead pastor at Summit in Little Rock, he called me. He reached out to me. Yeah. And he said, hey, Kevin, our staff just broke a corporate fast here, and we're looking to fill our church planting residency position and our training for church planting. Mm. Do you want to do that? Yeah. And I remember right where I was and just laughing and yeah. just going, what what in the world is happening? Like, God did this. And just being overcome, all I could do was laugh because God brought us together in that moment. And so— that put us on our trajectory, our timeline, you know, our ability to prepare to get up to Seattle. God knit our hearts together in the right time. Yeah, so, so when cool. I talk about this story, it's just we feel like we're riding a wave. On, I mean, honestly, or following the breadcrumbs or a treasure hunt or however you want to put it. Like God is the one who's been moving this forward. Because if you'd said this five or six years ago, it wouldn't have even been on our radar. Yeah. So yeah. it's pretty incredible. That's God. Cool. So what what was the residency like? So so you you connect with Bill and you connect with the residency at Summit here in Little Rock. So what was it like? I mean, what 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 was that experience like just going through that? Yeah, it was really great and really encouraging. We spent what was it about nine months mm-hmm. in it, and it was a, a group. It was me and two other planters who got together, and some people who were helping to lead the cohort as well. But it was it was so good to get together, I think, with fellow planters who were on the same journey as yeah. me. And I yeah. think I think as people who had also left comfortable positions and comfortable ministries and ways where the Lord was working, yeah. but God had put burdens on their heart to start something fresh and start something new. And so to just be in a room with a group of guys who were all feeling the same thing and also having all of the same questions about the future and the craziness and everything that's going to come with it. Um, that was really, really helpful just to get to dialogue and just be open and to do that together in a group and to not just study some curriculum on your own, but to get to dialogue with a group of guys who are in the same stage. Um, I think, I think the best way that I could kind of frame it, how the the residency was so helpful to me, um, something put that in perspective about two weeks ago. I was at a retreat, 
up here in Oregon um, with all of the new planters who have started planting churches in the Pacific Northwest in the last five years. Um, they brought us all together for an annual retreat and just encouragement and equipping and evangelism and soul care and, and just a lot of stuff together. But um, got together with a couple different planters over lunches and dinners and just hanging out and talking about what God's been doing the last few years and getting these church plants started. Um, and I was hearing a lot of war stories from these planters who have been here for three, four, and five years um, that I just realized we didn't have or we haven't experienced the same bumps in the road yeah. that they did of, of kind of just parachuting in with no frame of reference for where they are, just a calling from the Lord that's genuine and that's real and powerful, but having no idea where that's going to lead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. they're having to, to make connections and relationships with no network, no <laughs> coaching support, no, you know, church partners or financial support or any of this. Wow. And they're just, Getting their teeth, taking shots on the chin, and just going for it with no frame of reference. And and I think that conviction and calling of the Lord is, is to be commended and applauded, right? It's incredible. But I just realized that we have not had to go through a lot of those speed bumps or bumps in the road that some of these planters have because we're standing on the shoulders of people who have gone before us yeah, and yeah. helped us prepare the way. Yeah. Um, and I think the residency was a big part of that. When I think about it, I think about <clears throat> the on-ramp that allowed us to prepare without being parachuted in, not knowing what in the world we're doing, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and God has spared us from a lot of things because of that, which yeah. is a huge blessing. I'm reading a book right now, which uh, I've, I'm about, I don't know, two, uh, about a third, almost halfway through the book. It's called New Leadership Literacies by a guy named Bob Johansson. <clears throat> He's talking about um, uh, new leadership competencies that we've got to learn to, to lead us in the future. Um, you know, clarity over certainty. You know, hmm. certainty is going to be a hard thing to grasp, but if you can get clarity, that leads you down the road, you know. But he, 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 he's looking at a lot of game theory, and he said gamers are going to rule the world because of how they've learned to collaborate, how they've learned hmm. to build guilds, uh, share information, network together. I mean, this, is, this whole thing is a fascinating book, and it's not real thick, but he said something there that has, has sparked me, and you, you kind of alluded to this. What the residency did for you, he said, you, you need a, a safe environment to experiment um, without fear of drastic failure. Hmm. And, and he's talking about all these experiences. He said, you know, war games are this way. The military uses this. Mm -hmm. Police departments use this. They put you in an environment where it won't cost you your life to fail. And so you fail often, you fail uh, well, and you fail cheaply. Before you're put yeah. into the situation yeah. that could could take your life, and yeah. uh, and and that's you just gave the best uh, reason for why you need a strong sending church and why a residency could really help guys because it allows you to work through this stuff before you hit the field and you're just so much further ahead of the game. Yes, I totally agree. It gave it gave me opportunities to fail forward, if you will. Mm -hmm. I think, and and to try some things specifically when it came to 
support raising, reaching out to new donors uh, when it came to developing vision and then coming yeah. back into our residency meetings and saying, oh, yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, some of those things. And to do that in an environment where I wouldn't say it doesn't matter because it matters what we're developing, but right. where there's, there's nothing lost if you need to change right. go back to the drawing. The consequences are far less if you fail in that environment. That's right. What these yeah. guys are experiencing yeah. after being up there several years. I mean, they're having to claw and scratch and fight their way through, and you got to do some of that before you got there. So. Yeah. Yes, yes, agreed. Yeah, and in some ways up here, uh, when we moved up here, I felt like it was uh, kind of like take two in a sense of, okay, let's, let's start over again, hmm. learning some of the lessons from the past of vision and support raising and – outreach and all the things that we had learned in Arkansas through the residency, but also just living our normal lives you yeah. know, on mission and saying, let's take all the lessons learned there and let's start over again up here with what yeah. we've learned. So yeah. that's really refreshing, I think, in ways that some planters didn't get to have. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. You said something that's just kind of major. Like you said, it sounds like starting over again. Mm-hmm. I think we need that practice field, if yeah. you will, to kind of yeah. kind of work that through. Because a lot of plants, I mean, you know, they'll start and they'll fail. Yeah. And then they'll mm-hmm. get back together and say, OK, let's start all over again. OK, then you take off and it's so much stronger. You've learned a whole lot of lessons. So it seems like that residency piece for you. Uh, and God just kind of, that's so amazing that Bill called you at the end of that fast. That's, just kinda, that's cool to me. It's I don't, unbelievable. I'm not cool with the Holy Spirit like that. You know, well, my wife, she's the assistant <laughs> yeah, Holy Spirit, yeah. but outside of that, that's just, that's real neat. But you need those pieces. Sounds like what you're saying. You need those pieces to be able to start, mess up and then start again, uh, in the, specifically in the area where you're going. Yes, absolutely. And I think kind of one, one big component of that was the ability to start developing and hashing out our vision mm-hmm. for Discovery. To say, Discovery Church is our church plan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, to start hashing out the vision of Discovery, to know that, to do some introspection of, hey, here are the giftings, here are the passions, here's the calling that God has placed on my life. And then here are the connections with all of those things to the needs in in Seattle, to the things that are going on there, understanding how God has given a calling that could actually meet needs that exist in Seattle, rather than just wanting to go up there and say, let's check this place out and see if it's fun or see if we like it, but having a a burden placed on our heart before we're there and then getting to kind of hash that out and see where that actually meets the needs of Seattle. I think that has done a lot for our longevity here to see what a great need there is here and also to understand our calling in light of that. Um, If we didn't have an opportunity to process that or to think through the vision, um, it may be easier to jump and run up here when you see something that's hard, when you go through difficulty. But being able to process that God has put a calling and a vision on our heart, that helps us endure up here. So that's been a really great part of it as well. So, so you're coming up on a year, uh, had good preparation before you got there. What, what is the, so for, for those, we have, we have several guys from Arkansas who are in sin cities planting now and, and trying to, you know, get everybody's take on their first year experience. You know, what's the, what have you learned culturally, you know, the distinctives of Seattle, what, what are the, you know, the things that, uh, that you've experienced since you've been there and kind of paint a picture of, you know, a first year in a sin city, 
uh, for guys that are interested in going, thinking through that, praying through that right now? Yeah, for sure. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a couple things about Seattle that I've learned. Um, one big thing that really matters is that Seattle is pre-Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk about America kind of being a post-Christian and post-modern society and post-Christian meaning kind of we kind of transition through this era of Christendom and Christianity having its heyday in America, and now we're transitioning past that. Seattle has literally never gone through that transition because Christianity was never the dominant religion or the dominant practice, Mm -hmm. you know, in the city ever in its history. And so we're looking at Seattle as a pre-Christian culture. Um, The gospel has never penetrated the ground of Seattle here before. Um, And so with that, you've actually got a lot of people who are, fleeing a lot of other parts of the country and coming up here to Seattle as a safe haven from religion or from the hypocrisy of the church or from being jaded or wounded by things in their past. They're actually coming up here to get away from religion or to get away from God. Um, And so that just creates a very unique spiritual environment to try to engage in. And you have to know that before coming in here or you're going to wonder why nobody cares about what you have to offer. <laughs> and you know that it's the best thing in the world right? yeah. that you could ever offer them. But they literally fled and came here fleeing the kind of stuff that, that we're offering them. So that knowing that has really helped frame the ministry that we're doing here. Um, and I think with that, where, where the rubber starts to meet the road in terms of what we're learning up here, um, assimilation up here takes forever. Yeah. Um, and what I mean by that is it takes forever for people to trust you mm-hmm. um, and to not look at you with this kind of guarded, cautionary look of, you know, you're being really nice to me, but you also want to share Jesus with me. Yeah. And I don't want that. Yeah. So there's this, this skepticism, yeah. you know, that, that's going on up here. Um, and so we can, we can establish our regular rhythms of life and we can start to figure out, you know, the different parks and places we go and people we meet up with. And so we can assimilate in that regard and do and control what we can control about that process. But um, I think I didn't see the other side coming before we were here um, in the sense that people aren't going to be ready to accept us for a long time. Yeah. Um, and that makes us feel a little bit unsettled, mm-hmm. like we haven't quite settled yet. We're not a part of our neighborhood yet, right? We're not buddies with our next door neighbor yet. That's just going to take some time because of the culture that exists up here. Yeah. Um, they have seen a lot of churches come and go over the last 10 years. Mm. And so you kind of get that look of, that's cool that you're doing that. Talk to me in three years if you're still here. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so um, that's a hard lesson learned. But I think at the same time, it, it shows us the worthiness of what we're doing. It's why we're here. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. people are jaded and wounded and they've got these barriers up that only the gospel can bring down. And so it's worth Um, I think the other big thing that I've seen is that culture shock is real, uh, (laughs) but not in the way that I thought it would be. Um, I I guess I pictured culture shock looking like, you know, my wife had an experience of a a homeless man who was out of his mind at a major intersection close to our 
neighborhood who was yelling and, you know, shoved his grocery cart of stuff out into the street and stopped my wife where she had to slam the brakes with our two-year-old in the car and kind of just had this really difficult experience managing that and handling that in this intersection. When I think about culture shock, I thought about instances like that um, and how we were going to literally be shocked by the things that we saw up here. Um, but to be honest with you, those things happen, but those aren't the most shocking things or the things that have impacted us the most. Um, I think culture shock has kind of come in the form of loneliness, mm. uh, in the form of isolation in seeing and thinking that kind of going along with assimilation, like we would have felt that we were more settled by now. Yeah. But the reality is that the ground, the spiritual ground, it's harder here than we thought it would be. And so we have a longer period of feeling unsettled or a longer period of feeling isolated. Um, those are the things that you can't see coming. You yeah. hear about church planting being hard, but then yeah. you realize, oh, this is a little bit longer road or a longer on-ramp to getting settled than we thought. Yeah. So, you know, and God provides in the midst of all of that, but, but those are the pieces that you can't see coming until you're in it. So, so what has um, what has helped you guys wrestle with that, deal with that, overcome that? Have, yeah. have you? <laughs> Are you? Yeah, no, sure. That's a daily daily thing. I'll, here, I'll give you the answer. The the silver bullet, man. A personal relationship with Jesus. There you go. <laughs> yeah. That does it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it honestly totally is. But here's here's what I mean by that is that I came up here. So excited about what the gospel was going to do and its outward effects for the culture and the city of Seattle and redeeming the city and the neighborhood that we're planting in. And God's going to do that. Like, I believe that with all my heart or we wouldn't be here. But what he's also doing is he's turning the gospel inward to my heart. And he's saying, mm. Kevin, the, the miracles that I'm going to do in your heart are just as great as the miracles that I'm going to do in transforming this entire city. That's cool. The work that he can do in one man's heart is just as miraculous as the work that he can do through an entire city. Yeah. And so he's turned the gospel inward uh, to me. I'm a really good doer of things. I'm a thing doer. Yeah. Um, and God has shown me where my ability to accomplish and do runs out. I can't fix I can't fix my heart and yeah. what the things that I'm feeling here. Yeah. And the gospel can only do that. Yeah. So he's, he's turning that inward more than I've been willing to let him do in the past. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Name a, name a big, so within that year, name a big significant positive thing that has happened since you guys have been there. And I know that's a positive thing as well, that, that kind of self-awareness kind of deal. But what's a big significant, like, you know what, man, this first year, like you have to put a brochure together and say, hey, this year, boom, this has happened. And people will go, wow, and send you millions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I would hope for billions, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm shooting hey, too low. If, my you, bad. if you're going to pray, yeah, you might as well big, pray. Man. That's right. That's yeah. right. Where's your faith, buddy? That's right. Let's known, yep. <laughs> um, yeah, I was thinking, no, I actually have a lot of instances of that. It's, it's almost hard to narrow it down to the biggest one or just one. But um, one, one big thing that God has been doing, he has given us favor with community organizations in our neighborhood. So when it comes to 
the community centers that plan all of the volunteer events or the senior center in our neighborhood. We found that our neighborhood is just a hub for senior citizens. Oh, we wow. didn't know that before we got here. We wow. thought it was young adult tech, it's survived, you know, and we come here and it's a bunch of seniors and yeah. you go work at a coffee shop and every other week you see an, an Alzheimer's care group for seniors. You know, you don't even wow. have to search for it. You just see seniors. So God, God's given us connections with senior centers, with the Greenwood Community Council, our local chamber of commerce here, just a lot of the community organizations who have influence over the neighborhood as a whole. God's given us favor with those. And so one one specific instance of that that did not go as planned, but God was looking out for us. Um, I, I dropped by the Boys and Girls Club here, um, which was the original Seattle Boys and Girls Club. This happens to be in our neighborhood oh. in North Seattle. That's pretty fun. Yeah, man. We've got the original location here. Um, and I go in there and I start volunteering and signing up, just trying to get to know the leadership and how we can serve as a church in the future. I just want to create genuine relationships here. And so as a part of volunteering, I get the opportunity extended to me to go across the lake here to Bellevue, Washington, and help somebody move a pool table who wants to donate it to the Boys and Girls Club. And so... We go out there. It's a crew of people I've never met. It's four or five of us. I, I think I'm the oldest guy in the group, and I'm 29. Yeah, and the others wow. are some high schoolers and some young adults. We're going out together to get to the school table. Um, we get out there, and I we quickly find out how much we don't know about pool tables. <laughs> 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 Pool tables are a thousand pounds. There's about a hundred different pieces to them. <laughs> we thought to pop the legs off and carry this thing out. And so found out real quick we couldn't do that. We try to push the table up on its side in order to get the legs off. And as we do it, we push it up on its side and hear this horrible crunch. Ooh. And the two legs that we tried to prop it up on couldn't bear the weight Ooh. of the entire table. So they just, they pulled in on themselves. And, and after we did that, after we ruined this thousand pound beautiful pool table, we found out the owner who was trying to donate it, it was the pool table of her late father. Oh, man. Have it, you know, in his memory, be a really special thing. And these five kids come into her home that she doesn't know. We're not professionals, and we broke it. <laughs> and, and, oh, man, I have never been tested or put on the spot in that way in you know, my entire life. I'm just trying to pastor in that moment. Yeah. Uh, how do I help this lady? How do we help the team not just ruin this even further, you know? And so, uh, long story short, we get the, the Boys and Girls Club, Club leader and myself stay there. The others go home because we had just blown it. <laughs> we ruined it. Um, and we made about 50 calls to try to figure out who can move a dang pool table. <laughs> you know, yeah. Get this out because we can't do it. So, we spent about three hours making calls and couldn't even get the pool table out that day. I had to do it the next day. Oh, man. Um, but, but the reason that that was so great is God forged a relationship between me and the Boys and Girls Club that day. Yeah. Mm. Um, we, we blew it. But that leader and me were willing to stay there and make sure that we did the best that we could with what we had. And, and we learned that we'll never move a pool table again. There are those that can do that, right? We will stay out of the picture or help you call somebody else. But 
but we walked away from that and the boys and girls club knew that discovery church cares about yeah, yeah um, and cool. we had we had blown something but we wanted to make it right together and we cared enough and had the opportunity to pray and to share that god sees and cares you know with the homeowner and just talk about some spiritual things in the context of that so god just has a way of using those unexpected things to, to forge deeper relationships i think than we ever could on our own yeah um, so now we have a great relationship with the Boys and Girls Club because yeah. we both think it moving full thing. So, yes. um, so y'all didn't talk about that in residency. Y'all didn't try to move a table in residency and break it. Things they don't teach you in seminary or church planning or church residency, residency or, residency or, residency or, or anything. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Comment on that. Have that come yeah, I'll, I'll tell BJ, uh, hey, we got something we need to add to your uh, residency. Now, if anybody's an expert on breaking stuff, it'll be, <laughs> it'll be BJ. BJ. Yeah. I'll, I'll leave that day in the residency. I'll come back. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Dealing, we, we could add a, a, a session on dealing with the unexpected. There you go. And, or pastoring through the unexpected. That's it. You know, something along that. Hey, that, that'll preach, man. That, that'll preach. That'll work. <laughs> So I'm tripping that everybody else. I'm tripping that everybody else left. Yeah, they did. Yeah, we don't know what we're doing. (laughs) What? Gotta go. Hey, I'm just in high school. What am I doing here? (laughs) It was a ragtag. I would have bolted there to be honest. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Man. So so was the the homeowner okay? I mean they. That ended okay she with her. Very gracious. I mean, it was it was tough for her, and there were some tears shed. But sure. I mean, overall, she was very gracious. We all worked together to place those fifty calls, and finally, I think she was the one who ended up finding somebody to move it. And yeah. then we were just like, "Yeah, why were we here at all?" Yeah, <laughs> 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 broke it, and then she called and fixed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, those, those are those kind of things good. where in the moment you just want to cry, but later you laugh about because it's such a bizarre, you know, yeah, I mean, strange. Murphy's Law just went in full effect, <laughs> you know, and that exactly if it I could thought. go wrong, yeah. it, it would. It went, yeah. <laughs> Man. But you know what? What a great testimony of God's goodness and grace to take something really bad, you know, and turn it into an opportunity to connect with a a key group of people, you know, in your neighborhood. And yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. And there's so many connections that can come out of that through genuine relationship with yeah. the family, with the kids of the Boys and Girls Club, and the opportunities to serve low income housing. <laughs> a lot of stuff that comes out of that there are multiple stories like that where god has connected us in the community in ways that we didn't expect and and you'll forever be known as the guy that broke the pool table there you go my god (laughs) hey there's there's kevin keep him away from the pool tables This preacher pool table. There you go. That's right. Oh, so funny. Man. So what what part of Seattle are you guys in? Uh, We're in North Seattle. So we're still in the city proper. We're in the city limits, but just across Lake Union. So that's kind of the the divider or barrier to North Seattle. Okay. North of them. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Yeah, so in the in the Greenwood neighborhood up here, that's the specific neighborhood. Yeah. How yeah. how big is that area? How big is the Greenwood neighborhood where you guys are? 
Yeah, it's about 18,000 people. Um, okay. It blurs with the neighborhood to the south because there's a what they call an urban village, which is like 40 blocks of businesses that just run between the two neighborhoods, and there's okay. no clear divide line between the two. So if you put those two neighborhoods together, it's about forty to 45,000 people. Gotcha. Um, the 18,000 in our specific neighborhood. Yeah, that we're living. yeah. Wow. wow, that's so, awesome. Yeah, so Yeah, a lot of news. So, so if you're, if you could give one piece of advice to someone moving to a sin city, you know, going to plant, what would maybe two pieces of advice, whatever, what would be your, your big words to them before they go? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The most obvious thing I think to me would be to evaluate your calling um, and to really fast and to pray over that and, and to see where that is coming from. Is that coming from um, a clear impression from the spirit, a clear calling from the Lord, um, prompting from others, seeing that and speaking that into you that maybe you would fit into some of those sin cities. Um, or is it something where you're being more um, unsettled because of your circumstances or unhappy about a current job or what have you? Mm. Um, the reason I think that is so important um, is because honestly, church planting on paper and in theory sounds really sexy. And, <laughs> yeah. and that, that sexiness, for lack of a better term, it's probably a lot better term than that, yeah. but um, that, that wears off quickly. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't, it doesn't make the work any less meaningful. It's incredible. It's the most meaningful work that I've ever been a part of in my life. And I would not trade it for the world yeah. because I am fulfilled. Yeah. That's cool. But that that wears off pretty quickly. Um, and you start to get into the grind, hence probably the name of your podcast. That's exactly right. That's it. So it, it starts to feel like the grind. And you really, what you have to fall back on is not just the excitement that you once had. You have the pillars and the benchmarks of God's calling that never change and it's secure. And so that. That has just been so critical for us. Mm -hmm. I think even even in the last year or the first year of being here, that calling has just been huge. Um, and I think think maybe the second thing, I couldn't have told you this a year or two ago, but just how God has blessed us with a support network has just been incredible. Um, and I, specifically, not even talking about financially, but thinking about on a coaching level, on a friend level, on yeah. a prayer level, people who are advocates for us. God has just really raised up a team around us who are holding our arms up, just like Aaron and her did for Moses, mm -hmm. right? When they were fighting the battle. Um, and so he has just raised up that team around us that holds our arms up when we're tired or when we're discouraged or when we have questions or what have you. There are people that we know that we can go to. Um, I've got six or seven guys who I can reach out to and text and ask for prayer anytime, and I know that they're praying for me. Yeah. And then I've got coaches and I've got pastors up here that are around me that God has provided. And, and some of that is from the North American Mission Board and some structures that already existed before we got here. Mm -hmm. But others, God has led me to cultivate and raise up a team of advocates around us who know what we're doing and they're in it with us, shoulder to shoulder, even if they're not planting the church up here in Seattle with us. Yeah. So uh, we've just seen how much we need that team. So yeah. I'd encourage anybody who wants to do this, get that team around you, make the ask, do what it takes, 
to get the supporters on the journey with you. Yeah, man, that's so huge. That is so huge. It's it's kind of cool that you talk about make the ask because you're afraid. You know, you just like you were afraid to go home, drive home thirty minutes, or ride home thirty minutes on the bus to have that conversation with your wife. After you guys get it, then it's tough, man, to go ask. Hey Dave, I'm I'm going to the Yukon. Uh, can you you know? And I don't mean the truck. Will you? <laughs> yeah. You know, will you go out with me? Has that made a major difference for you to have a team of folks instead of just you and your wife by yourself doing it by yourself? Has that has that yeah. made? It's kind of hard to to tell because you already have some folks there. But do you think that that's that's made kind of a difference in being able to cope and deal and press through and all of that to have a group of folks around you rather than kind of battling it by yourself? No, I absolutely do. I think, I think the biggest thing with that is it helps kind of gives me a reset or reframes what we're doing here. When I, when I've been hitting walls or barriers or having advanced in a a relationship where I'm sharing the gospel, you know, as quickly as I thought I would, there's a lot of different ways you can get discouraged up here. And so you need a team that's in your corner to kind of reframe things in light of the gospel, in light of what true success is in terms of a relationship with Christ and endurance on the field and relying on God and a focus on the mission. Like you need somebody in your corner who will help you understand, no, you're doing the work, like you're sowing the seed. And also beyond that, your identity doesn't rest in your ability to accomplish things. Yeah. It rests in the already accomplished work of Christ on the cross. Yeah, right. Good. That's where you get your value. That's where you get your identity. And we all can try to preach that to ourselves, but we do that and then we kind of look up and say, Okay, my first let's go out now. Yeah. <laughs> and trying you need somebody else from an outside perspective who can speak those things into your life. Right. Yeah. And kind of yeah. knock you on the head and go Hey, you're forgetting about these. Right. So that that community to come around that has really been integral and absolutely necessary to the work that we're doing. We just we did an interview recently with uh, Charles Campbell, who's you know director of church planning training for NAM, and and asked him kind of you know keys to success he's seen out of all the guys he's trained and you know sent out, and and the first one he said was you know clarifying that calling and finding your identity in Christ, you know, as a disciple of Christ. And he mm-hmm. said, because there's a point where the work's going to get hard and the enemy's going to begin to lie to you. Mm-hmm. And he said, it's that point where you've got to remember, look, you, you, the victory's won. You belong to Jesus. And if he sent you, then, then you've already won. And, uh, you know, finding that identity in Christ, he said, is so essential, you know, for all our planters to have any chance of success whatsoever. And I, and I would yeah. say not just in church planting, but in ministry in general, period, uh, in life, um, you know, so so essential. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever had this downloaded from the Lord or if I plant this focus into my life, but it's just the idea that you're a child of God before you're a church planter. Right. You're yeah. a child of God first. Right. And that is your idea. Right. Exactly. So. Exactly. Yeah. Well, man. Uh, Dude, that's awesome. Um, you know, God's doing some great stuff up in Seattle. We've had, you know, of course, uh, uh, another, there's an elephant up there uh, planting as well. And, and uh, uh, you know, friend Andy Brown has been up there. We've had several Arkansas ties to, to Seattle and, and just seems to be some cool stuff going on up there. And, and in Washington in general, we've got some guys in Spokane as well. Yeah. 
Stephen Ward and Zach Minton, some of those guys. And and so exciting to hear that, that God is, is putting a new footprint uh, in that city, in that state uh, with the gospel. And, and uh, uh, maybe there will come a time where where can talk about it no longer being pre-Christian you know, yeah, anymore, yeah. that there'll be enough movement that something significant yeah. there. And I did want to, no, I know you're wrapping it up. Pastors are notoriously long-winded, right? So let me get in a, another thing here. One thing I did. My last final that, point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Um, the, the harvest is plentiful up here. Um, I have seen, there are so many spiritual seekers up here yeah. who are open but don't even understand the path to God. Yeah. They don't understand how to go about that or what they need to do or be a part of or experience. They're searching. Um, we did a spiritual survey at North Seattle College up here, uh, just on the east side of our neighborhood, and it was shocking how many people on the scales of 1 to 10 said, you know, how do you feel about your relationship with God? And they would put ones or twos. And then they, they would say, wow. you know, do you want to grow in your relationship with God or how much do you want to grow? And they would put eights or nines. Wow. Um, then, yeah. And then they would say, you know, hey, have you tried searching for God before? What have you tried? And they tried Confucianism and Buddhism and Hinduism and atheism and Gnosticism, everything. And then we asked them, you know, how satisfied are you with your spiritual journey and the things that you tried? And they were all unsatisfied, confused, you know, searching, still searching, all those kinds of things. So people are searching. They want to know what it is to have a relationship with God up here. Um, And it's just up to us to go find the ones that God's already working in and to join him there. I, I cried over that survey when we gathered that data and just saw oh my gosh, there are people here who want this. Yeah. And it's just a matter of us spreading the seed broadly and finding the ones that God wants to bear fruit in. Yeah. So, um, it's exciting to be a part of a work like that. We're on the front end of all of that. Like we just have to create a lot of relationships, but those opportunities are coming. We're already starting to see those. And yeah. it's exciting to see God provide the opportunity to speak the gospel into those relationships. Yeah. You're just one broken pool table away from another big uh, breakthrough. Just saying. Catastrophe away. Yeah, there you yeah. go. That's, Next that's time it. it'll be a ping pong table. Yeah. <laughs> that's oh right. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there I you go. I have nightmares about that till I'm 80. Oh, man. Hey, moving ping pong tables, you can lose a finger. You could lose a hand. <laughs> that is that maybe more dangerous, dangerous than, the pe- than the pool table. Man, problem. that is yeah. dangerous. Oh, yeah. yeah. Thank God for a pool table. That's not right. a ping pong that's table. That's right. Yeah. If there's one thing I'm remembering in this podcast, let it be the pool table. <laughs> <laughs> right. What'd you learn about church plan? Well, don't try to move a pool table. That's right. <laughs> don't don't That's right. Pool Learn table. from Kevin's mistakes, <laughs> folks. Right. Yeah, uh, oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. That's great. That's great. All right, man. Well, we're going to wrap up with this. We, we ask all of our, our guests uh, some rapid-fire questions. So this is where you can't be the preacher. Uh, and and take a long meandering journey, you know. We want quick, short answers. Uh, and you know, Dave always says, "I want quick, short answers," and we never never get them. Never get them. <laughs> yeah, it never yeah. happens. So I always forget we're talking to a bunch of preachers. And they can't even say their name in ten minutes. That's right. So, all right. So, top one or two books that have had the most impact on you. 
Yeah, uh, emotionally healthy leader. Um, Ooh, yeah, yeah. Right, we read that in the residency. Yeah, that was so great. I I could talk about that, but I won't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> man, I want to talk about that. Read that book, everybody. Read it, I, man. Read it, read telling it. you. Um, yeah, and five dysfunctions of a team. Yeah, incredibly helpful. Hmm. Went through that with our team. Read everything Patrick Lencioni has done. That's oh just, my just God. Make that a, yeah. 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 That's one of my favorites. He is well. awesome. Yeah. Okay. What's your biggest strength and your biggest weakness in church planting? Yeah. Man, I don't get to explain these. That's crazy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, we just want to know your faults. We don't yeah, want to know your, right. your yeah, silly they, excuses they behind them. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think its biggest strength would probably be shepherding in the APES model of, you know, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. Yeah. I'm probably a shepherd and listening to people and caring for people, I think, is something that's really needed. Up. Yeah. So um, shepherding is something that God has just put in me that I think uh, matches and meets needs here. Yeah. Uh, biggest weakness definitely would have to be fear of man and insecurity yeah, you know wow. overanalyzing what's somebody going to think of me all that kind of stuff and yeah. then God just hit me over the head saying go for it go do something have faith yeah. you know? but I, I wrestle with that fear of man yeah you know you, you just said something really interesting you know given the culture that you're in that shepherding would be more needed uh, given the, the mindset of the people rather than maybe the apostolic uh, or the prophetic, uh, that that's that's interesting insight after being there a year uh, that I don't you, think folks need to miss. Enough, you hear it enough up here that pastors need to learn to listen. Yeah. There's mm. a lot of, up here, maybe everywhere, but yeah. specifically up here, there's a lot of baggage to be unloaded yeah. and to be worked with yeah. and to be listened to. Man, so that's, that's great insight. That's great hmm. insight. All right, favorite hobby or pastime? Yeah, I'd say grilling, trying to pick up grilling, like not just slapping a burger on the grill and nuking it, yeah. you know, but actually trying to figure out how to grill a good steak or grill some good ribs. I'm trying yeah. to pick that up Yeah, a hobby. And the summer's coming around here. It's going to be 70 degrees and sunny, you know, yeah. so you'll find me on the patio grilling and trying to. Amen. True. Man after go. my own heart right there. Yeah, for real. That's yeah. a man's man. <laughs> really. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, what's your favorite movie? Uh, Sleepless in Seattle. No. Three Amigos. Oh, three. hey! <laughs> three. Steve Martin. I love that movie. Yeah. That might be the dumbest movie you ever seen in your life. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry, I didn't expect that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's hey, that's um, one. If it's on, I, I own that movie. Oh, but if it's man. on, I'll sit down and watch it. I don't so know. I made Rebecca sit through that before we were married, and that's how I knew that we were meant for each other. Yeah. She hated it, but she sat through it. Yeah. Man. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't know why that was funny. I wasn't expecting <laughs> it from me. Yeah. You know, I, I imagine all of our wives have that movie that they have to sit through and watch because we love it and they just hate it. I know. 
Um, Hot Rod is one of those for me. I love that movie with Andy Samberg, and my wife thinks that is the stupidest movie on the planet. I was going to yeah. say, Dave, there's probably more than one movie each of our wives. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've got a whole list. Yeah. Yeah. Those yeah. are the old DVDs they threw out when they were helping us move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's in that box. Yeah. I, I don't know where that ended up. We lost it. In That's the right. That's right. Uh, I guess it got broken. <laughs> uh, all right. Oh, Favorite band or musician? Yeah, I really had to think about this because we're in the Spotify age, right? Of oh, I hear that song and you put it on your list. You got a hundred songs from a hundred artists, you know, and that's kind of where I'm at. But I, I listen to a lot of Ren Collective right uh-huh. now. It's just really fun and joyful to hear them worship, you know, in the environment mm. that we're in. It's just fun. Yeah. So it makes me happy and joyful. I think Ren Collective Experiment is up there, and then. Um, <laughs> Elvis is actually pretty great. I listen to Elvis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I listen to Elvis, Creedence Clearwater, and Three Dog Night. Hey, <laughs> Some of my that's not bad, man. Dave's getting excited that's now. You bad. said Three Dog Night. Well, and, and you know, Seattle, we just talked to uh, Wayne Parker, who's a Sin City missionary in Detroit, with Motown, rich musical heritage. Seattle has its own rich musical heritage, oh, going all the way back to Heart, uh, and then... The, the grunge era, which produced right. a couple of my favorite bands, and I'm, I'm ashamed to mention them on the air here, <laughs> but uh, Queensryche, who I just went to see in concert in Dallas a few, uh, about a month and a half ago, is from Seattle. Wow. Uh, Alice in Chains, who's an incredible band from Seattle, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, that whole, that whole movement, Nirvana, that whole movement came out of. It really did. Here. Yeah. yeah, it was raining a lot, and they just kind of yeah. came out. <laughs> yeah, came and out the music them. reflected yeah, it. Music. Man, That's I'm right. telling you, Nirvana, minimalistic, and uh, dude, Nirvana but, for real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm so, sorry, we I digress. <laughs> well, we did digress, but I love, I, of course, I'm big, huge music junkie, and so cities like that. Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters did a documentary. Uh, series and went to eight significant cities in the U.S., uh, Chicago, Seattle, uh, Detroit, Nashville, and he would highlight artists that are indicative of those cities, that are synonymous with those cities, and would talk about the wow. the musical heritage of those cities. And, and it was, man, it's just fascinating. Of course, he's just a music junkie as well. So I could watch that forever. Yeah, and I, I bought the DVD series and, and watched it, and Seattle was on there. Of course, I, you know, you a, lot of, knew. a lot of good bands. Yeah, yeah I knew that history. Yeah. And uh, so, anyway. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, for me, that, that would be well, some place I'd like to plug into just because that musical heritage up there, just to uh, be in yeah, that environment. It's been a culture creator and a culture changer in some of the things it that has. come out of the city. So it's fun to be a part of that and see where it starts. Up. Yeah, for real. For That's real. Cool. Well, man, thanks so much. It's good to catch up. and has been cool, seen you man. since you've been up yeah. there. and. Glad you're doing well, and uh, and so so everybody pray for Discovery Church in Seattle, and uh, and and the work that Kevin and his family are doing up there. Pray for Jake and Anna Scott who are going to be moving up there as well uh, to lead worship for them, and and uh, well, he'll add some energy to the city. <laughs> and, well, he will. Yeah, he will. yeah. He's my counterpart. It's so perfect. Yeah, and I'm the DJ. I'm the folk. I'm like. 
super disciplined, and he is the otter going out and loving and reaching everybody. That's so never awesome. meets a stranger, man. That's just I'm cool. telling you, he he will be a good compliment to you, personality wise and gifting wise. Have to so. get him back on after he moves out there to see how your life has changed. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Man, I'm just yeah, trying well. to keep up with Jake. He's wearing me out. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah, he is a great blessing. He is. All right, man. Well, blessings to you, and we'll be praying for you. We need to get you down to Arkansas and let you tell the stories at uh, one of our Mission Connection events and uh, uh, kind of see what's going on in Seattle as you progress. And so, uh, man, hope uh, hope all goes well and you have many more pool table stories. There you go. <laughs> Thank you so much. Can't wait to share the next catastrophe. <laughs> right. You will be a cautionary tale to church planters everywhere. That's it. That's right. That's right. That's right. All right, man. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll check you later. Thank you, guys. Good to be with you. That's all for this episode of The Grind. Make sure to sign up for The Grind email newsletter for all the latest news, articles, and book recommendations by going to absc.org slash thegrindnewsletter. If you like what you hear, rate and review us, and make sure to share this episode with your friends. Until next time, keep grinding.